podcasts are a trust that you're doing really well as you pursue your dream and vision of following Jesus and making disciples. These next two podcasts are sermons that I've just done at our home churches. They invited us back to share in Crossway Baptist. Uh, Crossway Baptist is our sending church. It's a church that really uh, set us aside and believed in us and trusted in us. They're our Antioch church. And uh, it was a great privilege to go back and to be able to share with them. Their mission statement for their missions department is to see Indigenous-led disciple-making movements amongst the least rich people groups of the world. This is really cool. I really love this uh, mission statement and uh, it's really great to be part of that. And uh, this first Sunday that I shared, I I talked about Jesus' last words defining us. I trust that you're blessed as uh, you hear this sermon and uh, next week we'll follow through on another sermon of engaging with lostness. Wow, great to be with you this morning. And uh, yes, it is really significant that we honour Queen Elizabeth uh, II, a great woman, a great leader, and a great example of service. Um, she, was, she was one that um, uh, said that statement that Nithya rank, ra- uh, read out, billions of people now follow Christ's teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives, and I am one of them. More than that, she gave us an example in an age of entitlement, of uh, victimhood, of identity-driven rights, of service and sacrifice and living for something greater. And although one might look at her privilege as the queen, she actually did humble herself before the king of kings and she made him her lord. And so great example for that. It's great to be able to uh, talk to you today about Crossway and their mission internationally, but also Crossway's mission to share what God is doing through Praxis, the mob that I'm with, but to highlight the work of uh, many missionaries. In Acts uh, 1 verse 8, we read the last words of Jesus as he's standing with his disciples, and he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight." I was in a prayer meeting uh, this week uh, as, uh, with a, a group of Praxis staff and people, and we were praying for Crossway. And I was listening very carefully to the prayers that were coming out. Often the Holy Spirit's um, uh, um, will, his desire, his thoughts are exhibited through prayers. And all I heard was gratefulness for this church, gratefulness for the investment in the kingdom of God, gratefulness for the mission work that comes out of this church. Um, They were prayers, and we gave thanks for the DNA of Crossway. Crossway has a heart for missions. Over the years, it sent missionaries to the hardest places of the globe. It sent and invested heavily uh, into the gospel. It's part of the DNA. It's part of the core calling. It's part of the identity of Crossway Baptists, 71 missionaries that work in 25 nations, 
Now I stand here on their behalf, uh, in front of you, on, in, for those online, for those in the different campuses in Brighton and, and uh, Southeast, to, to give thanks for the church. We're part of the mission work of the church. You know, 10 years ago, uh, Crossway set us aside to birth what is now called Praxis. And um, I want to honour the leadership and I want to honour uh, Crossway for taking the risk on a ragtag group of people and setting them aside to make disciples. Uh, people like Craig Winkler, who was chairman of the board back then and, and believed and, and, and said, go for it. And uh, Dallas Stevenson and his big kingdom heart that wrapped his arms around us and took a risk. I want to thank people like Toby Hall, who was our chairman for 10 years and helped really pull Praxis out of the ground as an organisation. We are part of Crossway in the sense that Crossway is our Antioch. Antioch was where they set aside Paul and Barnabas. They were in prayer and fasting and and God said, set aside Paul and Barnabas to the work that I have called them to. But today I want us to go back to the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus causes us to rethink mission in an entirely different way, because most of us think of mission as something someone else does. Something that's not really for me. It's what those missionaries do. And, and yet Jesus, uh, through his last words, defines not just a task or a job, but the very essence of his church. And the very essence and the core DNA of what we are meant to do. He defined our identity In the last words, he says, you are my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But stay, wait till you've been clothed with power, and then he's lifted up on high. I'm reminded of the last words of Jacob, actually. Jacob, Joseph's dad, Joseph who went into Egypt, Joseph, Joseph who went into Potiphar's house and then was thrown into jail and then eventually through a series of miracles of translating dreams, uh, rescued the whole of Egypt and brought his family uh, in a severe drought into Egypt. And, and Jacob in Genesis chapter uh, 49 is at the end of his life and he calls his sons together and he blessed them. And that blessing formed the identity of a nation. He birthed the nation out of his last words. And he, he, he said that, these kind of words to, um, to um, his child Judah. He said of the coming of Jesus, prophesying that the scepter will not part, depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He spoke, Jacob, who was known as Israel, who had his name changed to Israel, and spoke the prophetic reason, existence for the people of Israel. And that's why we call them the children of Israel, the tribes of Israel. Jesus spoke, and he spoke in the same way, the destiny and the purpose of his church through his last words. Last year, my dad died. And um, 
It was uh, coming right in the, in the middle of that very difficult COVID season. Dad uh, was a Bible translator, and he, um, he, he lived a life of sacrifice and service to God. In fact, I, I honestly feel I can't hold a candle to the life of my dad. The last few years of his life, he was put in an old people's home, and he'd gone blind and he, living in Canberra. And... Um, uh, a really hard time as COVID hit because of the isolation and the difficulty in that time. And because of that, I was on the phone three times a week and we were reading scriptures together. And uh, uh, yeah, three times a week, we started in Jeremiah, Dad's favorite book, and we read right through Jeremiah, read chapter at a time and asking God what's God saying to us and how can we live that out? And then through the minor prophets. And then, then we read, uh, he said, what about Hebrews? One of his next favorite books. So we read through Hebrews, the same thing, and all the pastorals. Then he wanted to read Revelation. I said, okay, Dad, let's read Revelations together. And it was fantastic. And then we went back to the Gospel of Luke and read through that. And then we hit Acts. And this is about April last year, we hit Acts, and it was a, a wonderful season where Colleen and I could go and visit Dad, and we read through Acts 1, and then we threw the scripture that we just read, and then Acts 2, where Jesus has taken up to heaven, and he sent the Spirit from heaven, and came and empowered the church. And there was a suddenly moment in that room, as we read the scriptures, where the Spirit of God turned up. Dad, blind dad, Tomaya, as they say in Papua New Guinea, stretched out his hands and he blessed us. He said, the inheritors of the blessing, the inheritors of the blessing. And we walked out and Colin and I looked at each other and said, what was that? What was that? That was a visitation of the Holy Spirit. My dad's last words, passing on something of himself into his children. It wasn't long after that he passed and went to be with Jesus. The inheritors of the blessing. Last words. I wonder what Queen Elizabeth's last words were. What's the inheritance? Jesus' last words do that with us today. He appeared to his disciples after his resurrection and he poured into them. It says in Acts for 40 days he spent time with them and he poured into them and we have his last words recorded for us. In Mark 16, 15 he said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. You see, Jesus didn't say, Hey, we have a missions program. Now, who's going to be, do that missions program? Let's find one or two. Uh, uh, Peter, are you called? Oh, maybe not. Or oh, John, what about you? No, no. he spoke to his whole, whole crowd, disciples, and said, go into all the world. The scope is global. In Acts 1, 8 that we just read, he says, you are my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not... First Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus gave them the global commission all at once. He said, and, and, and. Not a binary equation. Not first here and then here. It's simultaneous. So you are his witnesses in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. 
And you are called as a disciple. You are actually defined by the works of Jesus. And John 20, verse 21, the last words of Jesus, he said, Peace be with you, as I was gathering in a room. And he says this profound short statement, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Wow. As the Father has sent me. How did the Father send Jesus? Jesus gave up everything. He sacrificed all his rights. He gave up in Philippians 2. It says that he gave up equality with God as something to be grasped and found himself as being in very nature a servant and humbled himself, being obedient to death on a cross. Therefore, he was raised to the highest place. Wow. How has the Father sent Jesus? He gave up everything. He sacrificed humility, servanthood. How did the Father send Jesus? He walked into a situation and where people were excluded, he broke through those barriers. Where the Pharisees and Sadducees excluded people, he reached out and touched the excluded. He broke through the barriers and he touched and healed people. He broke through the barriers and he said, this is what the Father's heart is like. If you see Jesus, you see the Father and you see what he's really like. When he reaches out and touches the leper, when he touches those who are unclean, as the Father has sent me, said Jesus. Jesus modeled perfectly what God was like through his his radical love. His radical acceptance, his radical breaking down the barriers of religion of his day to say, God is like this. And then he flips it around. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. This was not just for one person who was going to get called to go overseas. This was for his disciples. Included everybody. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Last words that define us, that create in us identity, that create in us purpose and mission. It says in Luke 24, 46 to 49, again, last words of Jesus. He said to them, speaking to his disciples, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And the repentance and forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father on you. Stay in the city until you've been clothed on on high. The core message, Jesus' death for the suffering for our sins. His resurrection, his forgiveness of sins to be proclaimed to all nations. And finally... In Matthew 28, he says, Jesus says, all authority, his last words in Matthew, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of this, you should go to all nations, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Wow. Jesus 
made disciples and he poured into them the kingdom of God. And he said, now turn around and go and make more disciples. You're to baptize them. You're to immerse them in this Trinitarian view of God that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you're to teach them not just the content, but teach them to live their lives, to obey, to live it out, to live out the commands of Jesus. Discipleship at its core is to live out the commands of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're someone who's had an encounter with Jesus. And if you haven't had an encounter, he's just a prayer away. He's just a prayer away. You love him. And you commit to hearing his teachings, hearing his voice, and, and to obey you cannot be a disciple without obedience. You're called to conform to his teachings, to obey the teachings of Jesus. Oh, Lord, that's not for me. That bit, that's too hard. No, not that one, Lord. <laughs> no, a disciple is someone who loves Jesus, has had an encounter with him, who hears his word and obeys that teaching. It becomes our whole life. So the last words of Jesus, the Great Commission, as we call it, was not a, um, a good idea or a good suggestion. It was not something that's optional. It was actually something that's to form our whole identity. It's our mission as the church. Not just the church globally, not just the church out here, but for me as a disciple, it becomes my mission. It becomes my life. I need to learn how to personalize this in me so that I be a, be a disciple that can go and fulfill this. The, the, the vision and the mission of Crossway is this, to see our city, nation, and nations become disciples of Jesus. Our mission is to love God, to love people, and to make disciples that multiply. This becomes personalized. You know, the church doesn't have a mission. Jesus' mission has a church. I'll say it again. The church doesn't have a mission. Jesus' mission has a church. Going to church is not about ticking a box. Saying, phew, I made it there. I feel like I'm sin free today because I went to church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, it's about getting swept up and caught up into the great saga of what God is doing on planet Earth, yielding our lives to him, surrendering to Jesus as our king. You know, true worship is not really just about singing God's, singing songs. True worship is not a feel-good experience. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of giving over. True worship is expressed through the Old Testament in sacrifice and in the New Testament really summed up in saying offering your lives as a living sacrifice, being a pleasing aroma to God. Worship and church is being caught up. You cannot reproduce what you are not. You must become a disciple of Jesus so that you can multiply this is the greatest weakness is just to, in us is to just say, you should go and share Jesus with your friends. 
If you love Jesus with all your heart, you automatically will share him. If you obey his commands, you automatically will be in salt and light. It's not just a thing I have to do. It's a thing that I am. It's who I am as a person. It's the DNA. It's the DNA of Jesus living out as the Father has sent me. So I send you. Wow. God's global commission is lived out in me personally. We, as praxis, uh, make disciples. That's what the core of what we do. We try and live out this teaching. We make them through uh, planting discovery Bible studies, which is a really simple process, usually gathering the group of non-Christians together and giving them an opportunity to, to examine the teachings of Jesus, to go through the scriptures each time to, as they go through, they ask, what shall I do about it? How can I obey? And who can I share with? We're planting discipleship right in the hearts of people long before they become Christians. Teaching people how to follow Christ. I was just up in northern Queensland a couple of weeks ago. We were working amongst some indigenous uh, groups up there. And um, I, I got under a mango tree. I had a, had a friend who had a camera and said, hey, hey, just capture this. Because I'd just come out of a discovery group uh, in, uh, amongst the indigenous. And, and I'd like to show you this video here from under a mango tree, a couple of minutes under a mango tree in far north Queensland. Let's go there. Today I'm talking to you from Kawanyama, an indigenous community in uh, Cape York. Last night uh, we had this great time around a fireplace where about 30 indigenous came together and we uh, had a barbecue, we had sausages, we sat around in a big circle, we sang some songs and then they split them up into small groups and did a discovery Bible study. It was just awesome to see. Stephen Mel are our pioneering leaders here in far north Queensland and their vision is to catalyse groups amongst numerous communities and this is just one of them that they've been working in. They have been flying in, uh, accessing these communities through small planes, spending time on a regular basis building relationships with these leaders. They plant Discovery Bible Studies and a Discovery Bible Study is really simple but yet profound. It looked like last night and uh, they sit around, they connect, asking uh, questions about meaning, uh, what's good for you and what's bad for you. And they, um, they have been um, uh, going quite deep. Last night we went quite deep with this group of men as we talked about issues of addictions and the needs of the community. And we stopped and we prayed. And then we looked at scripture. And scripture it was a story about Jesus and everybody had a, a chance to talk and participate. And then we asked, what, would, what are we going to do about that scripture? How are we going to live that out? And who do we share with? The process is really about finding inside leaders and taking time with them, establishing them so that they can then go and start groups. In this community, there are already three discovery groups going and there are other communities that they've been working in. It's really exciting. And the vision is for multiplication along family lines, relational lines, in the Cape and beyond. Thanks for your prayers. 
Thanks for your sponsorship. Thanks for your standing with us as we have a vision to see multiplication and movement happen here in far north Queensland. We work all around Australia planning discovery groups. Today there's about over 100 discovery groups and teams and churches uh, working in Australia in places like uh, amongst uh, returned soldiers uh, uh, suffering from PTSD who have come back in, find their lives devastated and uh, have started to explore the scriptures and found hope and led their whole families to Christ, baptized each other in the ocean and, and started groups that are starting to multiply. Uh, wheat, wheat uh, farmers in the wheat belt in, in Western Australia, Iraqis in Western Sydney, uh, numerous groups that are, that are planted, people uh, even part of Crossway like Edavina who is working with the East Timorese and has a group running up there in St Albans of this city and we have uh, um, all kinds of groups running. It's so exciting as we see people sitting around exploring the scriptures, asking the question, so what does this mean for me and how can I obey. When God gave his great commission to us, his final words, he empowered us through his Holy Spirit. He empowered us and he says, you will receive power. And the the hope in all of this is not that, oh Lord, I can't do that. It's not that uh, this is too much for me. But the hope is that The Spirit has been given to empower you to go and make disciples. You have the Holy Spirit if you believe in Jesus. He's a promise to you. And he says, I want to clothe you with power from on high. So he pours into you the Spirit. Now the Spirit is given not just again as a feel-good experience, but the Spirit is given that you may be empowered to fulfill his mission. You are my witnesses, but stay till you've been enclosed with power. When the Spirit, the giving of the Spirit is separated from the mission of Jesus, it just, be, it just goes into some funny places. We start acting weird about it. But the Spirit is actually given that you personally might be empowered to be his witness, to go, to go. So be filled with hope. Learn how to pray. Learn how to be filled with the Spirit that he might take you into your family and friends, into the places where you work, into those dear friendships of yours. God usually works in those that are closest to us. Don't think of evangelism as something you have to go and buy, find a stranger and start shaking and, hello, my name's Jesus, can I tell you about David, you know, kind of thing. God works through your relationships, your family, your networks. As you start to live out what a disciple is, as you start to pray, as you start to care for them, as you start to, start to share scriptures with them and invite them into a relationship with Jesus, It's absolutely powerful. We work in about 24 nations as well as around Australia, planning discovery groups everywhere, giving people an opportunity to to know Jesus. I I worked in India for a number of years, and God is just moving powerfully in India. We see hundreds of thousands of churches being planted uh, throughout North India and uh, different places. And I, I was wondering about five years ago, what's my contribution here, Lord? 
who still have a tremendous heart for India. And I went to a, a dear friend, a David Watson, and I said, what, what do you think I should be doing to help? And he said, Dave, find a young leader and pour into them. I said, well, okay, not sure how to do that. Um, because I'm here in Australia, and suddenly I have this young guy, call him Simon, that's not his real name, but for the purposes here, Simon contacted me on the net. He was an IT guy. And uh, Simon, um, Simon had um, uh, been a Hindu and had just come to Christ not long before that and had led his whole family to Christ. In fact, his whole family, if you know, Indian family structures was not mum and dad and a few brothers and sisters, about 120 people. He led his family to Christ and numbers of small churches was planted. And he started to look around him at about 100, 120 million people around and said, how on earth can we touch this? What can I do to multiply the gospel in my situation? And he contacts me and I said, oh, I think we can help. And I went and visited him, got to know him, visited him a couple of times. And I thought, ah, oh, this is the guy. This is my man. I started to pour into him. And... Um, uh, f- five years later, I just got off the phone to him uh, last week, um, and uh, I just said to him, Simon, how's it going? Because there's so many stories. As he started to put the stuff of making disciples into process, we started to see villages coming to Christ. We started to see uh, so many people uh, turning to Christ, and, and uh, thousands of baptisms started to happen. It was quite a, an amazing story. And I said, how's it going? And he said, well, brother, by the grace of God, we've seen about, now we're up to about 1,230 churches being planted. Not bad for five years. What were some of the keys? The two Ps that had to be dealt with. Pastors and preachers. Preaching. (laughs) Ironic that I'm sharing this as, as I'm preaching to you. But you know, the average new Believer felt like they couldn't go and share the gospel because that's the pastor's job. I'm not a pastor. Who am I? What can I do? And the second barrier was the preaching. I can't preach like that. I don't know enough. So those two things we address through the empowerment of every believer and the ability to give simple, multipliable tools like the Discovery Bible Study and said, you can do this. And they did it. And soon you had the housewife who was, who'd come to Jesus and her cousin, remember those who were closest to you, was living in the next village and she went over to the next village and started to share what Jesus was doing and opening the Bible with them. And suddenly a new church was born. And a new church was born. And a new church was born. And a new church was born. It's through those empowerment along relational lines. Is there something we could learn about that? Yes? Something we could learn about this. That God wants to empower every believer by his spirit to be a disciple and to go make disciples. That's our call. That is our destiny. That is what, what we've signed up for, to follow Jesus. Wow. You know... Um, I have so many great stories that are are just coming out as we're working in nation after nation, like places like Myanmar. Started working there, just uh, met with that that, uh, leader there called Ong. And then the military junta came in. Literally, our villages are being razed and burned to the ground. It's a terrible situation. But in that situation, 
We've now got 30 groups running, and they're starting to multiply. So exciting. Places like the Ukraine, where you've been hearing some terrible news. And just a couple of weeks ago, 600 people gathered by a river and Gabby Heiding, a crossway missionary, part of Praxis, saw about 60 people being baptized from the gypsies of southern Ukraine. How exciting is that? I'm just hearing stories in the last week of, of, of new discovery Bible studies amongst women in, in Malawi. They were an unreached people group in, in their area. We're coaching them on how to make disciples, and they're part of our team, and, and um, Ravi and Samuel are friends. And um, you heard of the COVID wave that just swept through India, and the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths. And uh, last April, late April last year, in the midst of that, Ravi's um, father died on Thursday night. His mother died on Friday night. And on Saturday, he died. And um, on Sunday morning, just as I was about to get up and speak somewhere, I got the phone call from Sanya. My husband died. She has two boys. I was gutted. I wept. I spoke and then I shared about this and we all wept. I wondered how she was going to go, what she was going to do. It's been such a joy. I've seen her not go, go through a period of grieving. She actually never saw his body. She had the body, he, he went into hospital and that was the last he saw of him because they took the bodies and they burnt them somewhere else. There was no process for her to grieve. But she says, Robbie has died. But she says, Jesus still has called me to make disciples. So today she's going back into the villages of the Irula, being coached by my wife, Colleen. And uh, she's seeing groups planted amongst widows, amongst youth, multiplying gospel discovery groups. Amazing. Amazing. Her purpose, her reason for living, has been defined by Jesus' last words. Just as Israel's purpose was defined by Jacob as he gave the blessings, So Jesus' last words define us. It's not just a task for somebody else. It's your call. It's the DNA of the kingdom of God. And if it's not spreading, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I want to conclude with these final kind of exhortations. Personalize the Great Commission in your life. Have a fresh look at the scriptures. Ask, what does this mean for me? What does Jesus want to do in my world? How can I become his hands and feet? What should I do about it? Look at your neighbors, your family, your friends, and ask this question, how can I obey? For God has given you his spirit. He's given you what you need. Everybody gets to play a great value of Crossway. It's key. Ministry in God's kingdom is not professional. It's not professionalized like what you see here right now. Ministry in God's kingdom is when you are empowered by God to go and minister in your world. That's our job here, is to empower you to go and do the work of the kingdom. We're all pretty ordinary people, friends. 
we're all called. A disciple is someone who obeys all the commands of Jesus. Be empowered. Next thing is to pray like crazy. <laughs> Learn how to pray. Learn how to get up in the morning and spend time in the Word and, and to pray. And to, to invite God into your life. You're struggling, invite God in. He, he loves you so much. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free that you can run and be his disciple. Honestly, learn how to pray. Learn how to pray by yourself and with others and with the missionary task force, but with your life group and wherever you sit, learn how to pray. Prayer is the lifeblood of the kingdom of God. Go every day. Every day you're being sent by God to be spiritual, to live out God's mission in your life. Learn how to pray with others, not just Christians, non-Christians. You meet someone and saying, oh, look, I'm having a, a struggle here. Say, oh, can I pray with you? Just simply stop and pray. What's the worst could happen? You could get persecuted. That's what's happening all over the world. Jesus' followers get persecuted. But that's the worst. Let me just tell you, I think the best will happen. As people start to open up and see that Jesus' followers are not primarily religious people, but spiritual people. Spiritual people. The living God who wants to come and interact with us. Break through the walls of religion by being authentically spiritual. Authentically real. Honest down to earth, fully spiritual people. Learn how to do a discovery Bible study. Learn how to open up the scriptures. It's so simple, everybody can do it. It's so simple, you'll think, oh, that's too simple. It can't be used. Exactly. It's too simple. Everybody can do this. We have non-Christians running discovery Bible studies with others. It's exciting. Go every day. My final thought is this. Buy into God's mission. Buy into it literally. Make it your own. Invest into it. Invest financially. Buy into it literally. Invest in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, where's your treasure is there, your heart is also. Invest aggressively. Invest sacrificially into the work of mission, wherever you see it. Because God... That's his call. He wants a dying world to know him. Use everything you have. Let it shape your mind, your heart, your wallet, everything you've got. Saying, God, here am I. I want to invest in what you're doing. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that you have called us and you said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Whether it be to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, or the uttermost parts of the earth, Lord, we just want to say yes to you. Yes to you, Lord. We want to get caught up in the great saga that you are doing on planet earth, that you are reaching this world. We want to be disciples of you, reflecting the heart of the Father to everybody around us. Lord, use us, set us free. Set us free from religion. Set us free from the things that stop us, Lord, to give our wholehearted devotion to you today. I pray in Jesus' name.